it's, it's been so much fun the last week and a half uh, getting to do it on kind of special days. Um, you know, I, I was blown away by the kindness of everybody in the comments last week, and I really rode that energy uh, throughout the week. So, uh, so thank you guys uh, for hanging out with with us on on my birthday and uh, on Valentine's Day tonight. So we'll we'll be very. Um, we want to be conscientious of everyone's time. Um, we know we've got uh, everyone's got people to hang out with, uh, but we're super thankful that you guys are with us. Uh, this evening. So, uh, Doc, oh, Jack's in Florida. Jack, where are you at in Florida, man? Um, let's see. I'm seeing great questions from Ruth D. Lynn. Go ahead and put your questions in for Doc. Um, we're going to get to those as soon as possible. Uh, but first, we're going to go through a couple questions that came in throughout the week. Um, and this one is a really good one. It's uh, about um, any sort of adverse reactions uh, with medications and some of your super vitamins. Um, the question is, is there any adverse reaction for a person taking Dr. Rogers supervitamin every day and stress, energy, immune vitamin occasionally along with their prescription medicines? And here they are, atravastatin, chlorothalidone, and losorin. <laughs> well, you're blowing those, you're blowing those all to pieces, man. Why don't you pronounce these for me? Okay, atorvastatin, chlorothalidone, and losartan, potassium, which... You know, the first one, the torvastatins for cholesterol, chlorothalidone is actually a blood pressure medicine, diuretic, and so is losartan, just a, a blood pressure medicine. So, no, um, there's no interactions with anything with those. Uh, so, and actually, if you're on a statin, you definitely need the, you know, the energy formula because it has CoQ10 and PQQ. Uh, statins tend to deplete your CoQ10 levels, so... Um, anybody on a statin needs to take CoQ10 at the very least. So, no, I mean, there's there's no interaction between any of those that I can that I know about. So, those are very safe. I certainly take them, and um, they're pretty comprehensive. I like them because they're packed. You don't have to take so many separate vitamins. That's why I kind of designed them like that. Um, but uh, no, you're not going to overdose on those vitamins, and they're not going to interact with with um, anything that I can think about, um, really. All right, great question there. Thank you for uh, that coming in through email. Uh, this next one is, what do you think about muscle testing for heavy, for heavy metals testing? Am I reading that right? Did I do that right? Yeah, you may be talking about, they may be talking about uh, muscle testing, which is some people call it nutritional response testing. There's a follow-up. Uh, if you were told from the muscle testing that you had a high radiation level, would you suggest taking a binder? So I think, so I think this is all in one. I might have uh, yeah, probably the same. copied that over wrong. You know, I don't know how scientific muscle testing is. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that a lot of people think works. Um, I've actually had it done on myself just. Uh, one of my friends that does it and you know it, it's so subjective where they they kind of I had mine done for for um, food sensitivity so they'll put a particular food like ginger on your on your torso and then they kind of hold your arm and see how much strength you have and it's very subjective a lot of people swear by it I don't think it has a lot of scientific merit um you know, it's just, it's just so hard to believe that that works for me. But uh, like, like I said before, I'm an open skeptic, but that's, that's stretching the bounds for me on that. I'd much rather do heavy metals testing in a more, a better way, like even blood work, um, challenge test, urine, um, even hair. Um, although, I mean, there's no perfect test for heavy metals, but certainly, you know, we do blood uh, tests for heavy metals in our office. But um, again, I'm not downing the muscle testing, but it's just, um, it's hard to believe that it's that accurate. I mean, a lot of us do have um, heavy metals in our system, certainly. And I like binders. I really do like binders. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you can go back to one of my podcasts about binders. I use a lot of them for gut health as well. But um, 
and you know I take EDTA every day myself, but um, so there's a lot of other ones you can take that uh, are safe. Let me EDTA let me, safe. I'm gonna because this this next question has to do with binders, and I'll read the whole thing at once. There's a there's a couple different. Um, sections to it here. Um, if you were told from the muscle testing that you had a high radiation level, would you suggest taking a binder? That's the first part. And then it says, I see that the binder suggested has astaxanthin along with 20 other herbs in it. I know I've heard you mention astaxanthin over time, but as a reminder, is that a safe thing to have in a supplement? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like, I like it. It's great for your eyesight as well. So, yeah, it'd be safe for you to take a binder. If you somehow think, you know, you, you have high radiation levels, um, which a lot of us probably do, um, you can certainly take a binder. Again, always look at your gut function. Mm. And taking a routine binder is not a bad thing. Um, and there's a lot of them. You, you need to go back to the, the podcast I did on binders. Um, certainly... Uh, um, when I had a lot of post-COVID gut problems, I certainly uh, took a couple binders, and um, I think they're they're pretty effective. It's depending on the situation, but yeah, I mean, there's it's not going to hurt you to take a binder unless it messes your gut function up a little bit, which I doubt it will do. But um, I think it's fine. Um, I'm going to stick with this. We got a question on what binders are, just for the, for the people who don't know. How do the binders slash chelators work? Um, if they if they bind to take out the bad, how do they not take out the good? Um, well, you have to be careful that you don't take it right around when you take um, some of your other things, like your minerals. Like never take one around when you take your magnesium. So you got the timing is very important. It needs to be many hours apart. Um, even activated charcoal is a binder. Binder, you know that's that's a good thing to have in your home medical kit in case you get food poisoning or something like that. I certainly have it in my medical kit. Um, so, matter of fact, I took one about a week ago when I, I got I had a bad meal out and got really nauseated with it afterwards. I thought I was getting food poisoning, so I popped a an activated charcoal mm. and. Uh, also ended up taking a Zofran. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're right though. You got to you got to separate it from your other like your vitamins and things. Take it alone, uh, at least six hours um, apart from from that. Now, eating food with it, I wouldn't worry so much. But taking your minerals and vitamins, that's a very good point. Um, very good point. I, I, I like to make sure I take my EDTA when I'm taking none of my other vitamins. Mm, that makes sense. Especially uh, magnesium, minerals, zinc, that type of thing. All right. Thank you for that. And if you want to um, learn more about the, the way Doc sees binders, if you search gut binders and performance medicine, that, uh, that episode should come up on YouTube. Um, let's get to this question. I'm wondering about exercising if I'm not eating enough calories. I'm currently on Manjero and I don't consume very much food. I'm sure I don't meet the calorie quota a day. Should I still exercise? I know this probably pertains to a lot of people out there. Um, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, unless you're getting too weak to, you know, to go on with it. But, you know, obviously if you're on Manjero, you're probably trying to lose weight unless you're using it for your diabetes. You know, most, even though it is a diabetic medication, most people lose it for weight loss and it works very well. It delays gastric emptying. So that's why you're not eating as much. You're not hungry. You're full. So, but it seems like to me, if you're um, taking that um, to lose weight, then you knew, do need to be in a calorie deficit. You need to be burning more than you're consuming. That's how you lose weight. Um, so um, unless you're getting too weak, and, you know, then you may um, kind of maybe reduce your dose or make sure you get the essential, your essentials in. Mm. Um, but so I don't really have a calorie quota for the day, really. I mean, most of us eat too many calories as it is. Um, you know, and your body has a, 
amazing way of maintaining homeostasis. So you have to do something to um, change that set point that your your body's trying to maintain. And in most cases, you're trying to maintain too heavy a weight, in my opinion. But um, again, I don't know your particular situation. But um, so if you're feeling energetic, if you're feeling just really dragged out, you, you don't want to overdo it because uh, you could get weak. Um, and so, but, you know, talk to whoever put you on the Monjero. I don't know if it's me or not, but, um, and if you're really worried about it, we'll look at the rate at which you're losing weight, what your blood sugars are doing, when you're eating, timing may be very important with this. Um, you know, how much, how many calories you are expending. It's harder to expend calories than some people think, Mm. um, to burn calories. Um, I, I wonder if that's a common concern because, um, it really does, like you really don't eat much on it. Um, and have you, has, have other patients been concerned about like, I'm not getting enough, uh, kind of a lot of couple people ask me that, but again, if you have a lot of fat stores, you're burning your own fat, especially if you're doing intermittent fasting, Mm. um, as your energy source. Okay. All right. Great question there. Thank you for uh, sending that in over email. And this is, let's see, let's get this one in. Uh, Katie, you'll probably have the, the more detailed answer for this. Um, cause you know, one, uh, is a male that we have a male panel as well as a female. The question is how much is a hormone panel without insurance? Um, I don't want to say anything completely off the wall. So I'll wait for Katie's answer here. I tell you, a lot of times, I don't know, Katie will answer this, but because I'm not sure, but I can tell you one thing, it's probably cheaper without insurance than filing your insurance. The only problem we have with people complaining about what they have to pay for the labs, again, it's a Quest lab that we use. It's not our lab. It's it's the biggest lab in the world, but, and they file your insurance, but they also have the cash price. So a lot of times we'll tell people, you know, you, you may think about this because it's probably going to be cheaper to pay cash for it than file your insurance. Cause you, you may get a quest lab may send you a big bill because they didn't cover it or, you know, they jacked the price up a lot with any insurance. So we've had cases where patient and we told them, you know, try to do cash. It's probably gonna be cheaper and they end up paying six or $700 for something that could have cost them a hundred, 125 for cash, something like that. So, um, we, but we always warn them. So, um, Katie can, can get you how much a male on a female. There she is. Um, Katie's saying male, female panels, 125 to 150, depending on what you're looking for. Typically insurance charges, 500 to 725. Um, thank you for, uh, for giving us the details there, Katie. Um, I think the big thing is like understanding what your insurance covers. You know, if you don't know, then, I think Who can we understand that. I mean, how do you understand that? I don't think anybody <laughs> understands that. You'll understand it when you get your bill. <laughs> you understand that you were ripped off. That's what, that's what it is. <laughs> Just like when you file your insurance or some of these medications that are generic, when you could have used good RX, I use that example of pro vigil a few weeks ago where a guy goes to CVS and, a month's worth of pro vigil for narcolepsy was going to cost him $850 generic from CVS. So he calls us up. He can't afford it. So we start searching for him on good RX. It's $35 at food city. So just be careful. (laughs) There's not a lot of transparency with the insurance business. Remember insurance is for disaster. This keep that in the back of your head. It's for disaster, hospitalization, surgeries, real expensive medicine that you may have a chronic disease or something like that, like a biologic, something like that, but always check the cash prices yeah. out. Yeah. You know, I base my whole practice on cash and that's why we've been able to be better doctors and, you know, providers and spend more time and not worry about the codes and trying to ex- extract money from an insurance company. That's, that's why I still practice medicine. I, 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 and that is, that's like 100% true. Like I, I fully believe that if you weren't in a cash only environment, you would not be practicing right now. Oh, I definitely wouldn't. I I really, I, 
I just don't see a, a world where where you'd still be doing it. I'd probably be down here on vacation all the time. <laughs> I'd probably be living down here. Not really. I like vacation down here, but I like Tennessee. Uh, yeah. This is a great question. I, I hope that helps. Katie, thank you for uh, giving us the, the numbers. Uh, Motaz, welcome in. Uh, Montana, I see you're in here. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. Um, let's get to this question here before we move on to the live questions. My grandmother has been diagnosed with Parkinson's and her doctor has suggested dihexapeptide as a possible Parkinson's treatment. What is it and how does it work? Um, what's your initial thoughts on this? And uh, we'll see where the conversation around this peptide goes because it seems to be pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not real familiar with, I haven't used it in a Parkinson patient. It's a peptide, I meaning it's a string of amino acids that has an action. It turns on another part, another part of your body to fight something like the most common peptide we use is, is uh, Samoralin to turn on your own growth hormone. Um, there's a lot of others like BPC-157, um, Ipamorin. There's a lot of peptides. There's a ton of them and we use a lot of them. Um, you know, the, the dihex is one that's, that's fairly new. Um, it's supposed to be what we call a nootropic. It's supposed to be for cognition, brain function. And I'm really kind of, kind of pumped up about it. Again, I don't have experience using it yet in Parkinson's disease, but there's a lot of talk about it. And I'm sure we will, because we're seeing a lot of Parkinson's disease. Um, I think there's there's close to a hundred thousand new cases of Parkinson's a year, newly diagnosed Parkinson's disease. It, it's a terrible neurologic disease that um, causes causes motor dysfunction and eventually can cause dementia. Um, you know, it's one of those that um, we're seeing a lot more of, probably because we live in a real toxic world. And I know that we're seeing more of it because of this long COVID. You know, I, I think we're going to be dealing with more Parkinson's, even way more um, because of long COVID. Mm. Uh, remember COVID, um, long COVID really is not so much of a respiratory problem. It's a brain problem. Mm. It's, it's, it's a brain problem. Um, you know, the most common complaint I get with long COVID is, um, brain fog. Um, and there's a lot of dysautonomia pot syndrome where, you know, the, those odd, odd automatic functions like digestion and heartbeat are kind of screwed up. That's why you get this tachycardic syndrome, especially women. I see more women with long COVID symptoms than men do. Mm. And I see men with it. Um, you know, it, it triggers a lot of autoimmune uh, problems. So we're going to be seeing a lot of, of it. Um, I'm pretty sure this dihexa uh, works through uh, the ACE2 receptor, kind of like how COVID gained access to to your to your body through that ACE2 receptor, which you think is being uh, responsible for that hypertensive cascade. Um, you know, so it's really it's kind of a complex thing on how it may work. Um, the proposed method of, if I'm, I forget exactly how they claim it works, but um, it's blocking certain receptors um, of that ACE2 inhibitor inhibition. Mm. So it gets kind of complex, but um you know, if if it does, it's going to be a, it's going to be a huge treatment. There, you know, for a lot of post COVID now, they're even talking about using interferon IV, which is a you know a heavy hitter that we used to use more for different uh, serious um, diseases. Um, uh, read about interferon. Mm, interferon because really, you know. COVID was, was a disease of, it wasn't actually the virus that, that killed people. It was this inflammatory cascade. 
So we're talking about inflammation and inflammation um, has a lot to do with mitochondrial function. You know, I talked today in brain energy about your mitochondria a whole lot. It turns out that mitochondria, they're, they're not just creators of energy, ATP, but they also have a lot to do with your uh, epigenetics, the turning on or off uh, switches. Uh, they can turn on and off your, your own genes. That's what, that's what epigenetics is. So um, you really, you really need to um, think about your, keeping your mitochondria healthy. Mm-hmm. And the way you do that is keep inflammation out of your body through, through all the stuff that we were talking about all the time, uh, like um, vitamins and anti-inflammatory diets and hormones and um, sleep and you know, all those things that we talk about every day. Um, so it's funny because when I got to the end of, I took a deep dive on that uh, brain energy uh, podcast today written by the Harvard psychiatrist. And really at the end of it, I mean, it's complex. Not many people are going to wade through that book. There's no pictures in that book. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I tried to, you know, I went through the whole thing highlighting and everything. So if you want a decent summary of it, look at today's podcast or even come in and we'll talk about it. But, um, you know, there's probably a common pathway to mental illness, just like there is physical illness, your metabolism. And it all starts at that mitochondria because that's where you get energy. Life is energy. You're going to run out of that, you're head mm-hmm. so and it's a long downward spiral too but um this brain fog has a lot to, of covid ha, has a lot to do with um your mitochondria so you need to do all that stuff and i'm hoping that this peptide, this peptide dihexa is something we can add to our armamentarium we'll see we'll see how it goes but uh it's, it is kind of exciting um so stay tuned i'll learn more about it as time goes on because uh i do like to study the peptides. Super interesting. Um, all right, guys, we're going to move to the live comments here for the latter part of the show. Uh, so if you have a question for Doc, go ahead and put it in the uh, comments. I'm going to get this up here from Melissa because it's uh, timely around kind of the insurance talk. And um, Katie might know the cost. I, I want to say semaglutide might be a great answer for you. But my question is, why wouldn't they cover it if you're, if you're using it for diabetes? It feels to me that shouldn't be that, it shouldn't be that much. I've seen it that much for people. Using no, that's what, that's the price of it. That's, that's the price. For, even for people with diabetes? Yeah, if they won't cover it. And a lot of times they'll go to extreme lengths not to cover it because it's expensive. But you, you, you should check in uh, semaglutide. You know, if they won't cover Ozempic or Monjero, then think about semiglutide. It's about a fourth of the price. It's very, very, almost almost the same. Works great. We, we use a lot of it. All right, Melissa, I hope that helps. Um, let's get to, I want to get to Vicki because I know I missed uh, Vicki's question last week. Um, what do you recommend for chronic tachycardia? Um, this is kind of along the lines with the, the long COVID talk. Started post-COVID two and a half years ago, and the cardiologist put me on 50 milligrams metoprolol, metoprolol for it. My resting metoprolol. Heart, metoprolol. Metoprolol. My resting heart rate stays in the 90s with exertion 140s. I also recently started Lexapro for chronic anxiety. Uh, what's your thoughts here for Vicky? Yeah, sounds like you may have POTS, you know, syndrome. It, uh, hopefully your cardiologist puts you on a tilt table and confirm that. But, yeah, I mean, beta blockers usually, especially with cardiologists, are the first line of defense against tachycardia. There's some other outside-the-box things you can do, um, but that don't quite cause the fatigue that, that beta blockers do. Um, you know, when I went, I did my long hauler seminar over a year ago and one of the cardiologists in California was using another drug. I don't know why I'm blanking out on it right now, but I've actually used a few times. It doesn't seem to, uh, drag 
drag you out like a beta blocker will. So get with us on that and we'll, we'll talk about it. If you, you, if you come to one of our clinics and, um, I just don't know why I'm blanking out on it. it starts with an I, but I've used it a few times. It seems to bring your heart rate down without causing a lot of other side effects. Um, this cardiologist swore by it. Um, so yeah, you need to look at the other stuff too. You know, get a Cleveland panel and, I'm sure you've worn a Holter monitor. You've had, you've probably had the full Monty. You need an echocardiogram to make sure you don't have myocarditis post COVID. Um, but yeah, that's one of the things we're seeing with, um, you know, not only brain fog, we're seeing a lot of dysautonomia, which that is, you know, your, your heart rate is not being regulated by your autonomic nervous system. Remember I talked about brain dysfunction. Um, your brain runs on electricity just like your heart does. Um, and it's really interesting. Uh, and the tachycardia is probably causing your chronic anxiety. So I'm not against Lexapro. Um, it may cause some side effects too. The problem with using these medicine is that they can cause side effects. Sometimes they work um, and you may have to have them. It, no, it's not Enderol. It's not a, that's a beta blocker. It's, it's a totally different um, medicine that I'm, I'm uh, thinking about. I'll probably think about it before the end of this uh, Q&A session, but it, it's not Enderol. Enderol is just a propranolol, a beta blocker, but um, similar to metoprolol. But um, I think it's, I don't know if it's a Vabradine. I, I had to find that out. I'll have an answer for you next week because I'm just kind of blanking out. You know, here I'm on vacation. I'm not even thinking medical. <laughs> I'm thinking about getting on my bike and <laughs> swimming. I actually swam today. Did you really? Yeah, I don't swim a lot, but I actually swam. Like laps? Yeah. Really? I did. How yeah. was that for a workout? Great. Oh, I mean, I love swimming. It's probably the overall best workout you It's pretty good. Have. Yeah. Um, let's get to Ruth here. What is the optimal vitamin vitamin D level? Can a person take milk thistle and dandelion long term? Thank you. Um, let's start with the optimal vitamin D level. Yeah, I like a level about 60 to 80, 90. I mean, anything under 100, I like. I don't like to get it up over 100 too much because if you have a tendency to form kidney stones, it may help you retain some calcium and form stones, but I like it high. I like 80, 80 would be my optimal level. If I was just to shoot that number out 80, remember you need D with K too. make sure, you know, if you're over 40 years old, D with K, what the K does is allow the D to bring the calcium into your bones, not your arteries. Um, so very, very heart protective vitamin K, K2. MK7, 180 milligrams. We talk about it all the time. And yeah, I don't see any reason why you can't take milk thistle and dandelion long-term. Again, with any of those things, I like to I like for you to take it about six days a week. So it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to take an occasional break from um, vitamins and supplements just so you won't get a little tolerant. You know, you probably don't get tolerant anyway, but um, that's kind of what I do. And it, I mean, most people are going to forget one day a week anyway, so it kind of works itself out. All right. Thank you, Ruth, for that question. Uh, let's get to D. Lynn. Uh, does Dr. Rogers have any thoughts on super beats for blood pressure and heart health? Um, yeah, I, you know, super beats is nitric oxide, um, releaser. Yeah, I like it. I mean, you know, I take it. I really like it. It's really good for um, your heart. It's just it's just a vasodilator, um, similar to L-citrulline. Um, that, that's a really good, in my mind. I, I like it. Actually, if the if if the International Olympic Committee could make beats illegal, they would because it gives an advantage to athletes. Um, you know, but they can't have it because it's a food. Um, and it'll lower your blood pressure a little bit as well. Um, so yeah, it, all reports are, are pretty good with that. I think it's a great supplement. All right. Thank you, D Lynn. Uh, I see Jackson, Tampa, got my, my uncle and aunt Tampa. live there. Uh, 
Shout out to, to South Tampa, Tampa, right on the uh, water there. It's a beautiful. Um, have uh, friends down there. That's awesome. Thank you, Jack, uh, for uh, for letting us know. That's awesome. Um, Edward saying, hello all, good evening. I have a deviated septum that blocks over half of each nostril, so I get a lot of sinus infections. Do you have any recommendations or suggestions to help? Um, I know you have you know, thoughts on this. Uh, we've been talking a lot about nose breathing, and deviated septum seems to come up quite a bit. Uh, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, the reason I'm... Um... I'm thinking that medicine I was talking about was uh, Evabradine, but I'll have to make sure on that tachycardia question, but that's driving me nuts. <laughs> um, so the deviated septum, let's see. Um, yeah, I had a deviated septum. I actually had to have mine fixed in college after I broke my nose for the third time. That was not a fun week after getting that done back in the old days. Um, but nowadays, you know, they really have an easier way of doing it. Um, they can go in there and, and fix it without putting a splint in your nose. So you can actually breathe after the procedure. Um, yeah, I would suggest getting it fixed. That's the only way it's going to work. I mean, you can try nasal steroids, which I'm sure you have, like Flonase. But really, if it's if it's blocking that much, just go get it fixed. Um, there's, a, there's a better way of doing it than they used to be. So don't be so um, hesitant about going to a good ENT and, and have them look at it and thinking about uh, fixing that deviated septum because, I mean, it may cause you to snore. It may cause you to have sleep apnea, um, all kinds of stuff because I'm big, a big advocate of nasal breathing as you are mm -hmm. as well, Ben. Um, but uh, some people will put a breathe right strip on their nose at night. Um, but uh, think about seeing a good ENT doctor and, getting that fixed if it's if it's really causing you a lot of problems like that because nasal breathing is a good way to release nitric oxide too. We were just talking about that. Um, you have nitric oxide sensors inside your nasal mucosa. So um, if you ever, you know, read the book Breathe by, is it Nelson? Is that, I think it's Nelson. Golly, um... uh, that was a great book. We go to our podcast on on breathing or, or talking. I think it's called breath. I think the book is called breath. breath. Um, man, I'm blanking on the author's name. Um, I'll or look go, it up. Go to one of our interviews with, with Zach Kramer. Yeah. You know, who's kind of on our team with, uh, he's our breathing coach. Very important. So think about getting it fixed. All right. Thank you, Edward, for putting that in there. Uh, see, Grandma Mary's in here. I want to wish Grandma Mary a happy early birthday. Uh, her happy birth birthday. Her happy birthday. Valentine's Day, too. Happy Valentine's Day and happy early birthday. Her birthday's uh, tomorrow, I believe. So happy birthday, Grandma mm -hmm. Mary. I hope mm -hmm. you have the best day ever tomorrow. Um, let's get to... Um, I'm going to put this up here from Katie. Uh, this is in regards to the semaglutide vials. 300 for one vial, 525 for two vials. Uh, for context, I believe one vial um, is one month, I think. Is that right? Can that be right, or is that three months? Depends on the depends on the dose that you're taking. But uh, let's just put it this way: it's way way cheaper um, if you have to pay cash for it. I don't know if anybody is is going to pay cash for Ozempic no. or Monjero. It's just unreasonable. Uh, thank you for putting that in there, Katie. Let's get to Mark's question here. Um, I saw your brain energy segment. What are your thoughts on gut dysbiosis influencing all mental health issues? Or is gut dysbiosis influence mainly issues, uh, schizophrenia and autism? Um, you talk a lot about the gut-brain connection um, in that episode. What's your, what's your thoughts on this? I mean, I think it definitely is one of the major players in there. Um, you know, there's no doubt that that's one of the first things we look at with anything. Um, besides this doctor at Harvard, I doubt, I doubt there's another psychiatrist in the country that ask you about your gut as the first thing they ask you. But um, yeah, I think it's, there's a major connection between that because remember your, your, these bacteria in your gut talk to your brain. They really do. It's, it's just amazing. Um, the influence it has on not only your physical 
health, your gut function, but your mental health as well. Um, you have a direct connection from your brain to your stomach by the vagus nerve. It's the biggest nerve in the body besides your spinal cord. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and I don't know if it, you know, I, I think it affects anxiety, depression, all that, not just schizophrenia and autism. Uh, but it's really interesting how um, these mental illnesses are uh, really a metabolic problem. Mm. I mean, think about Alzheimer's. That, that we call that type 3 diabetes because those people don't, their glucose metabolism's altered. I'm talking about schizophrenia. You know, if you have schizophrenia, you're probably, you're going to end up obese. You know, if you live long enough, you're going to probably end up obese. You're going to have a lot of insulin dysfunction. Autism, uh, same thing. You know, autistic kids may start out skinny, but they usually end up larger. Um, and it's not just because their parents give in to them and feed them sugar all the time to placate them. There, there's a metabolic problem there. It all starts in your gut. So that's a good, um, that's a good corollary. Um, you know, they, they may need a GI map to kind of map their, their gut, uh, microbiome out and straighten it out. Uh, very important. Not many people even think about that. Yeah, super uh, interesting. Uh, they're throwing pills at you. Thank that's you. going to cause more gut dysfunction and more weight gain. I mean, that's that's the whole point of this this guy's book was that he, um, as a well known psychiatrist, number one, he couldn't when anybody asked him what caused mental illness, he, he had no answer. He couldn't answer that. What causes mental illness? There's a lot of theories, but. There's no good answer for that. There's also no good measuring test for mental illness. I mean, you can't do a blood test and say that they have schizophrenia. You can't do a brain scan and say that's a schizophrenic um, or depressed or anxiety. Um, you know, um, you could do a functional PET scan perhaps and get some information, but it's just, it's hard to measure mental illness. Um, so, the, the whole reason this Harvard psychiatrist um, wrote this book and, and took a deep dive into this cause of mental illness because one of his patients, which was a, a schizoaffective disorder patient who was disabled from, from this, delusional, paranoid hallucinations, couldn't function, and he treated him with 17 different medicines. None of them worked. All, all the medicines did was cause him to gain over 100 pounds. These psych medicines are notorious weight gainers. So this guy gained over 100 pounds and he was no better. So the psychiatrist says, you need to lose some weight. And the guy goes, how? You know, the psychiatrist didn't have a clue as to how to lose weight. So this guy wasn't going to go to another doctor because he trusted the psychiatrist. Again, he was paranoid. So he took a deep dive in it and, and being a real smart guy, he, he did some research. I think he even talked to some folks at Duke that do the metabolic obesity stuff and um, ended up putting him on a ketogenic diet. The guy lost 150 pounds and his schizophrenia was cured. It's crazy. He's a functioning person with no medicines. And that, I guess that lit up a light bulb in the psychiatrist brain. And I hope it catches on. I mean, I do too to him to writing this book he claims it's groundbreaking you know and i think it is too there's a lot of well-known doctors that are supporting this idea um, like perlmutter and hyman and um jason fung and uh i mean a lot of these heavy hitters that um are all behind him you know um, nothing's on the right track and one thing I, I will add, because um, one of my buddies uh, did a deep dive on this book as well and uh, has incorporated a lot of its practices. And, you know, one thing he said or has told me as an after the fact is things like stressful situations don't bother him as much now as they did before he read the book. So like, and I'm assuming, you know, we all have 
you know, anxiety is kind of like a spectrum, you know, you know, we all have, you know, different levels of it at different times. And, uh, and, but what he was saying is he just, he has way more energy to focus because less of it's like, uh, uh, emotionally attached to, you know, um, stressful situations. So it's really interesting. So I think it's applicable. Um, the book is and what it's talking about is applicable to all of us. Um, you know, yeah. and again, it's not, a, it's not a, a book on the ketogenic diet. That's yeah. just one thing. I mean, look at the ketogenic diet and curing epilepsy. 85% yeah. of epileptics will be cured through a ketogenic diet. It's just very hard to stay on a ketogenic diet, as you know, but there's many other factors. It's very complex. Like I said, but before it has to do with your gut has to do with your infl inflammation. It has to do with your insulin resistance. It has to do with your hormones cortisol, um, notwithstanding the fact your predispositions, like if you did have childhood trauma, you're going to be more predisposed to have a mental illness. You know, it doesn't guarantee it, but you're going to be more predisposed to it. So um, it's really complex, um, but very interesting. Super um, cool. Uh, thank you, Mark, for, for putting that question in here. I want to put this up because I want to celebrate with Chuck tonight. Um, Chuck has lost 55 pounds, uh, got put on Monjero in September. That's amazing, man. Chuck, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, shout out to the team in Knoxville, Robin, Montana, April. Awesome. Uh, Montana's with us tonight, so uh, I hope you're seeing this, Montana. Uh, Montana. That's so cool. So cool. Super that's proud great. of you. Congratulations. Congratulations. Um, that's wonderful. You know, I just love that. You know, actually, when I established performance medicine, 17 years ago, almost 18, it was with the sole purpose of getting people to lose weight and figuring out nutrition. And it just led to me doing a fellowship in functional medicine and going all these other routes like hormones and, you know, supplements and energy, sleep, med, all this stuff, just because it all interacts. So congratulations, Chuck. That's awesome. I love, I love to hear that. I'd much rather hear that than about anything in my practice. Yeah. I know you have more energy. I know you feel better. You're moving better. You're sleeping better. Your joints hurt less. I mean, it's just amazing. Like, like I always say, our country has an obesity epidemic. That's our main problem in this country health-wise. Um, number two would be drug use, mm -hmm. both prescription and illicit drug, in my opinion. Um, that's amazing. Let's Chuck. vote on. Let's have a vote on number three. You know, let's <laughs> we'll talk about that. Everybody think about this. And next week, because I've been thinking, what's the third thing? Okay, so the and, the number um, one is obesity. Yeah. Number two number, is uh, over over prescribing. Oh well, number two is drug Just drug abuse. Drug use. Okay. Drug use, including illicit and prescription. It's really funny because. This is a crazy story, but I was sitting in the hot tub last night at my hotel, and this gentleman about about my age, a big tennis fan, uh, gets in the hot tub. We start talking, and it turns out he's just a super nice guy. He's actually we start talking, and um, he actually he, he went to medical school. He's a doctor. He's a radiologist. Went to to medical school at Stanford. Then he was a professor at Harvard Medical School wow. and he just retired. But um, so we started talking about medicine and all this. So we had a great conversation. He was really interested in, you know, the way I practice medicine and all. And he had his ideas on number three or what number three problem is. I'm not going to tell it to you, but so let's take everybody think about it. And next week, come up with your third, the third cause of our health care, you know, the third most major damaging thing to our health, I guess is the way I put it. So, so, okay. So um, the, the poll here, guys, what we're going to do, um, we're going to pick this question up next week. The question is, what is the third cause of the healthcare crisis in the United States behind number one, obesity, number two, drug use. Uh, we're going to, we're going to pick that up first thing uh, in the show 
next week. Um, I'm so, uh, super pumped about that, but I'm going to put this from Edward. Edward's saying James Nestor is the author, and he's exactly right. Yeah. Um, okay. okay, so what, what he's saying is uh, he might not be able to do the surgery. He's legally blind with a scarred retina, so there's too big a chance of detaching to, oh. to do that surgery. Shoot. Okay. Uh, so we'll have to come up with some some different things uh, for this. I'm going to go back to Edward's original question, uh, which is around the deviated septum. Um, a lot of sinus infection blocks over half of each, so 50% of each nostril. So what we'll, we'll no, have one to... Thing, one thing, if you have a lot of sinus infection, I, I'd definitely be using some coilodal silver sprays into your nose. Um, the nasal steroids may help tamping down the inflammation you can even use some devices that you can put in your nose that will open it up you know and i've seen some of those i'll Uh, put some of these uh mark uh mark commented on uh a few of these let me see if i can find it there's uh there's one nasal dilation max air nose cones balloon sinus dilation so there's some uh up there any of those that you really like the cones the cones Um, yeah I've seen them used uh, on a few of my patients, and they seem to work. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of things you can do. Certainly, nasal irrigation with saline is is twice a day is mandatory for you. And um, it's really interesting. I wish you could have that surgery. Mm. Um, gosh. Well, we'll we'll have to we'll have to get creative here, Edward. We'll uh, keep our nose to the grindstone on this one. And and find some more solutions, but those are some great ones. Maybe that's what he should do: put his nose in a grindstone. <laughs> that say, That was a poor joke, wasn't it? I don't think that works. You know, grind the nose out a little bit. I don't think that's that. Actually, I don't think that works. <laughs> well, that you said that, and you didn't even think about it. What you were saying? I did you know? not. I did not. Let's put our nose to the grindstone. You know. I what I meant was we're going to try to come up with some with some creative. Uh, suggestions here for for edward around that uh because that's nose breathing is just so helpful and i know those sinus infections would go down you know yeah goodness we're thinking about you edward um let's see here oh um don and steve has one um what is a pellet uh i know you can uh knock this out pretty quickly um oh a pellet's a hormone treatment um you know, gosh, we do so many pellet therapies. When you talk about use of bioidentical hormones, which we, you know, pretty much that's our expertise, that and, you know, nutrition, weight loss. But when we when we put you on a bioidentical hormone, meaning it's identical to what your body put out before you went into menopause or andropause, then you need replacement. And, you know, it's we don't use a lot of oral hormones because it has to be metabolized through your liver could affect your clotting factor, et cetera. Although we do use natural progesterone orally, but I don't use estrogen or testosterone orally for that reason. But so if you don't like doing the cream, the daily creams, the hormone pellets are inserted at the top of your hip, right in the top part of your buttocks and in a little fatty area, they look like a little tic-tac or smaller. And we use a little trocar to, to punch them through. It takes a couple minutes to get them in and they slowly dissolve over about four to six months, uh, depending on females, four months, five males, usually about six, but, um, it's a, it's a really easy procedure. There's no stitches or anything. Just a stair strip. Like I say, and, and to me, that's the best way male or female to get hormone therapy. It's just really easy. It's very effective. A lot of people tell me they've used the cream for years. They get a pellet. It's like night and day because some, there's a lot of variable absorption with the, the creams and all. So, but that, well, that's the hormone pellets, mm. hormone replacement. Uh, you know how Donna answers this question? She just says they are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need to know. Thank that. you, Don. I love that. They're awesome. <laughs> They make Donna dance better too. That's right. That's right. Um, all right, Doc. I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh, conscientious of your time while you're uh, on vacation. Um, so we're gonna call it a show. Um, I, I'm seeing some people already put in 
their uh, their votes for what's number three in regards to the uh, health care crisis in the U.S., uh, we're going to make sure we get uh, note of those, and we're going to take a vote. I cannot wait. Next week, we're going to see what the community thinks is the number three cause of the healthcare crisis in the U.S. I'm pumped about this. Yeah, me too. There may be some people who disagree with the first two. Interesting. You know, I'm yeah. interested in that, but uh, at least we'll have a top three. Um, we'll have to do some big thinking about that. I love that. I love that. And I know I got, we got questions to answer, answer that I, that I didn't get to in the email. So I'll make sure to email you right back and we're going to get to those first thing next week. I don't believe, um, uh, Andy is taking care of Ike tonight. Um, so Andy's with Ike. Yes. He's in good hands. Andy's with Ike tonight. Um, he's um, been, he's uh, Katie's been with him. I believe during the day today, he's got Andy, uh, and nice. So he's, he's in great hands. I'm, I don't feel sorry for Ike at all. Um, nah, this week, no, Ike's spoiled as it is. He's spoiled. <laughs> uh, well, doc, I appreciate you, man. I hope you guys have the best time ever. Say hello to JP and Lauren and Raleigh tomorrow for me. Um, okay. guys, thank y'all for hanging out with us tonight on Valentine's day. We love you. We hope you have a wonderful evening. Um, we do this show every single Tuesday at 7 p.m. So we will be back um, Tuesday evening next week at 7. I'd love to shout out the Knoxville office, Montana, Robin, and April. You, you guys are amazing. Uh, Chuck said it right there. Super congratulations to Chuck, man. That's incredible. Um, Katie and Carter, thank you guys for being in the in the comments tonight and helping us out with the numbers. Uh, Pop, I love you, man. Mom behind the camera, I love good. you. Um, Grandma Mary, happy early birthday. I love you. Happy birthday. <laughs> All right, we're out. I'm See looking, you, man. looking for my outro. Y'all have fun tonight, okay? Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.